0: That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. Well, HIAC talk radio is always exciting. Get in there.
1: Oh, my God, you will deal with that atlas harshly.
0: Fight forever, Guardian!
1: I think he broke it. Look
0: you made me do! And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Oh, and now uh, now that we got the flyer stock out of the way Phew. Oh, God Oh, oh boy We're going to talk about a couple other things we hate <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Welcome to HIC Talk Radio A uh, WWE biography has started up again And uh, from what I
1: hear Because I haven't watched it yet Because
0: I kind of forgot They're pretty damn good
1: They are indeed uh, oh. I, I will give them that the most entertaining wrestling on um, the air right now belongs on A&E.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. It,
1: it, it does suck. And to make it worse, Danda, they've already showed two um, A&E biographies. They show every Sunday at 8 o'clock from 8 to 10, the big two hours. And uh, the first weekend, last week, uh, not this past weekend, the weekend before, was the undertaker and I've made my feelings on the undertaker on this very podcast yeah, I very don't clear. know his
0: story what, what's his story
1: <laughs> how we feel um and I enjoyed it because like I said i I have no use for the character the undertaker um i, I I've never I never got it to me the undertaker is is like Bob Dylan I know he's his place yeah. in history but I just don't get it I don't get the appeal I don't get Why everyone thinks he's the greatest, it just it doesn't do it for me. Nothing wrong with it, but Mark Callis, the Mark Calloway, that guy I can listen to all day because what A and E did, they went back to his hometown, and to where he uh, went to high school, went to college. Pictures I've never seen before. Now I'm not like I said, I'm not the biggest Undertaker fan, but they had Mark Calloway. Stuff his um and I didn't know he had five brothers, and they're all the same height, and we got to talk to his mom the other day, oh mom, wow, so an actual actual andy biography yes, and he was on the basketball court with his daughters talking about his his college career where he was damn good and was gonna go play overseas uh because oh. but he he loved wrestling so much and he talked about. Uh, a couple of stories that were like throwaway stories he told on the Steve Austin podcast, he talked about going to the, uh, on the Houston, on the Paul Bosch shows at Houston, at the Sam Houston arena and how he went, he and his boys would go and how uh, the first time he got the, uh, the bug of of wrestling was when the original Sheik came out and uh, he, and got his, it. His boys were talking about, man, when the sheik comes out, we're going to give it to him. We're going to just, you know, we're going to berate him. He's going to, he won't even know what they're getting. Like, yeah. And his boys, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. And keep in mind, Mark, at this point, Mark Calloway was over six feet, six, four, or something like that. Sheik was never six feet on his best day. But she comes out walking and in the full robe and the regalia and everything like that, the bugged out eyes. And he and his friends were at the guardrail and all sheik did was that and they took off the other way oh shit <laughs> and his words we were all assholes and elbows just trying to get out of each other's way and then we got to the, why do you say something like, I thought you were gonna say something I thought you were gonna say something um, I said I ta- got the fuck out of there <laughs> and he talked about shaking Andre's hand um, when he uh, went That the only time they ever met wow he and uh, he was a uh, just in awe of that and it and again the story told steve austin about how buzz saw it, he went to the buzz sawyer wrestling school and how that was a, a a crock of crap but he went into more detail about it and about how they were uh how he was treated and how they uh showed up one time and buzz was gone and um and they showed a lot of mark of WCW Mark Callis clips, including the, the skyscrapers, um, spot with Danny Spivey when they wasted the road warriors and the the way they, now you have to keep in mind, Dan, this is in WWE biography. Yeah. So a lot of it is skewed. Uh, and when Danny Spivey talks about it, and by the way, Danny Spivey, if there is an, uh, an advertisement for the walking dead, um, if they need to be more effective, just interview Dan Spivey because I've never seen a walking dead man look like like the way he is. If they didn't have his name underneath, it says Dan Spivey. I would have no idea who this man is because, my God, Jesus. I don't know. Well, <laughs> if you could walk through a nuclear explosion and live, you'd look like Dan Spivey. Dan Spivey, Jesus Christ. I never had a problem with the guy, but it's like, my Lord, he doesn't look uh-huh. anything, but and he, t- and he, he talked about, um, well, the skyscrapers, they didn't have anything for us. You know, we weren't, you know, they didn't. So that's why I left. And kind of revisionist history because the skyscrapers were getting a big push um, with Sid and Dan, but because the crowd wanted Sid, which you could see, and then Sid punctured his lung which was conveniently, you know, left out of the story. And um, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why broke up the skyscrapers was, you know, the fight with, you know, with Arn, And uh, so they needed a a big guy to team with Dan. And that's when uh, they didn't mention Dutch Mantel, which uh, was shocking because it was Dutch Mantel who called Jim, when Jim Cornette called Dutch Mantell. Now, they did mention Jim Cornette, who made the call, but he said it was Jim Cornette that brought him, but no, it was Dutch Mantell who brought him in. And if Dutch Mantell had said, nah, when Jim Cornette asked for a big guy, because he had been following uh, Memphis, where uh, Mark had been wrestling there as Master Payne, he'd already beaten Jerry Lawler for the Southern Heavyweight Championship, which is what Lawler did. You know, with the big guys, because you bring a guy in, you know, get beat by the Southern title. He'd hold it, beat out all the other babyface and King would come back for the comeback a month, two months later, regain the belt and the the young green guy would be made. That's what he did with Kamala. That's what he did with Sid. That's what he did with um, uh, Charles Wright when he was uh, the soul taker before he became all those other names. Uh, but that's what Lawler did, and that's what he did with Master of Pain. So Jim, who was from you know the area, still watched Southern wrestling, and he asked about Mark, the Master of Pain, and had Dutch Mantel said, "No, nah, I don't think he's ready." That would have been none. That would have been over with. But Dutch said, "Yeah, he can go. He's he's big. He's athletic. He gets it. He's just green. That's all." And they brought him up, and the. St- The skyscraper stuff they showed with Mark and Dan Spivey, that's the Mark Callis that I like. And it was only uh, Terry Funk who called him Mark Callis when he brought him up. It's Mark Calloway. Uh, Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it went from Master I got to watch these. This is great. And even better, when they showed him when he went to world classes as Texas Red, that his first manager there was Percy Pringle. And they showed that on the show, but they didn't mention that was him. And you know, when they brought until they years later, when he was in the WWF, and we thought, who can we get to pair with the Undertaker? And they brought William Moody and said, "What he?" And it turned out he was a licensed mortician. Never even mentioned that. Oh, by the way, we work together in world class. And they showed his first match there in what class was against Bruiser Brody. Completely washed over that. And Undertaker Holy shit. And and I thought they were gonna go into detail because again, on the Steve on the Steve Austin podcast, Undertaker talked about how he fucked up with Bruiser Brody, his first match with Bruiser. They went to lock up, and then he sh- and he was under a mask shoved him back, and he clipped Brody in the chin, right? And uh, when Brody locked up again, he said, all right, calm down, kid. And Undertaker said, you know, but, but I'm so stupid. I just called armbar, right? And Steve Austin said, so you're calling the match? He goes, yeah. He says, man, where do you get the balls? And Undertaker goes, I'm an idiot. I didn't. So I'm calling. I put him in an arm bar. And next thing you know, we go outside. And Brody slams him on the table, and he just says, "Stay there." And Brody comes back and beats the shit out of him with a chair. And they showed that match on the biography, on the A and E biography. All right. Well, I'll be watching that after the show. Yeah. <laughs> but I. <laughs> 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 it's the stay there. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, funny, I, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What's going? <laughs> Yeah. And he said, Ow, like,
0: motherfucker.
1: <laughs> he said, yeah, when I got that big boot across the face, that's when I, yeah. But, uh, but they, that those clips and Paul Heyman talking about him because, you know, that was the last manager he had before he went to the WWF when he was, um, he was under Mark. He, uh, he Paul Heyman had him under, and he said just the, the burst of energy and they showed him, you know, wrestling on WCW, um, Saturday afternoon, TV, you know, duck under, leapfrog, you know, drop down, you know, up, down, and the speed. He was flying up, back and forth, and I saw, you saw what he had, the potential, and and then Undertaker said what he's been, was told, and now it's legendary. Uh, Ole Anderson told him, you'll never draw a dime in this business. I don't know anyone that will pay money to see you. And he said that that just that crippled. He said that crippled me, you know. And yeah, he, but all he
0: had to find out was uh, Oli was miserable to just about yeah, everybody. yeah. Um,
1: and Oli, the obvious and why it was so devastating because he had such a great ivory talent, and because Oli was such a great Booker. But you have this guy um, who's six eight and who can move like that. You you can do something with him, but uh, apparently Oli didn't see that uh, in him, and that's when he started talking to. Uh, he had called Bruce Pritchard, because um, apparently everyone in, in WCW had Bruce Pritchard's number, and uh, talked to Vince McMahon, and, you know, the story. What a
0: talent whore.
1: Yeah. Well, and Bruce Pritchard, that's the other thing that's hard to take, because Vince isn't going to be on these these biographies, so that's when they bring in Bruce Pritchard to be the Vince Soundalike, and the way he talks about it, um, because... Because they, they and they leading up to the Survivor Series when he debuted and, you know, and I brought him out and, you know, and it's, you know, and I was an all white and the Undertaker was all black. He's putting himself over like he was a manager for like a regular stint and he wasn't. And, you know, and the people didn't want to see, you know, Brother Love with with, you know, the Undertaker. They, they needed somebody else. And that's when they brought in Paul Bearer. It's like you weren't on the, you didn't go on the road with him. You weren't going to house shows. You brought him out for the Survivor Series, and that was it. And if anything, it was Ted DiBiase who said who brought The Undertaker to uh, there. And, yeah, you, know. you were... I w- he was there for what, one night? With yeah. The Taker?
0: yeah, yeah. Sh- shut up, Bruce.
1: And you'll find in, in, in the other show that came on after um, Biography, because it was two hours, and I watched the first hour because that was all leading up to The Undertaker in the second hour i confess i didn't watch because i know the undertaker story and i don't and i didn't care um so i didn't watch the uh the second hour um and uh, apparently what i did miss was uh jim Cornette teaching mark to do the sit-up the michael meyer jim could sit up Sit up, <laughs> yeah, and he could do it without using his arms and showing wow. him. Wow, coming how from a fat it. guy, I'm fucking impressed. Yeah, um, but um, but yeah, it was Jim Cornette that taught Mark the uh the sit up, the Michael Myers sit up and in turn. Uh, but the for the the first hour, really good stuff. Um, like I said, and this is coming from someone who was not an Undertaker fan at all. Well, you're man, wrong, Crank. I'm a fan of Mark Callas Now, the Mark Calloway, uh, the, the, the WCW clips that I saw that I hadn't seen in about 30 years, yeah. um, I absolutely loved. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Like, uh, no. like, going
0: back, I'm like, nice. He's he's fine. It's just
1: me and yeah, Mark great. Callow.
0: You yeah. Know, like, and yeah.
1: I, yeah, and a story that I didn't know uh, that he I said when he started in world class, uh, he would come to the arena every week looking for some hoping someone would see him yeah trying to get hired or something and nothing he was going there for for three months and nothing. Well and, it must have been
0: all the turmoil there in that Dallas because it certainly wasn't his fault.
1: But Fritz he said that Fritz von Eric saw him and said let's get him some get him some ring time. He looks like David. And I never realized it before then he yeah, did, he he did look bit, like yeah. David. He had the, not, they were the same height, you know, and and he had the red hair like Mike. So he, you know, and it, and that's
0: Mike was what probably a better liked. talent
1: though. No, David was yeah. better talent. Yeah, but um, that's what I mean.
0: I David. That's what I meant. yeah,
1: David was much better talent than the Undertaker and was better talent than Mark Callis was. But that's why Fritz, how he got his start in World Class, because Fritz thought he looked like David, looked like David Von Erich. Um, right, you, gotta, you gotta
0: let that go, bro. Yeah, um,
1: you know he's never gonna let that go. Well, um, dead, <clears throat> but the uh, the uh, listen to Mark uh, Callis Calloway tell his story and hearing his t- hearing from his mother and his brothers and his, his whole high school basketball coach.
0: Any any of them else were wearing the blue lines flag?
1: No. Nope. Oh sweet. Oh, no. At least that's not. But the best part of the Sunday night AEW because after the um, the biography they have their other show called Rivals, where they they focus on a special rivalry. Now we don't have to talk about this past Sunday show because this past Sunday's AE biography was on Goldberg, and the Rivals episode was Undertaker and Kane. But last week the like I said, the a biography was The Undertaker, but the rivals was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Oh, I don't know the story. What happened? Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating. Um, and it hadn't been talked about. Don't before. tell the whole story. I don't care. <laughs> what it's most fascinating, though, uh, Dan, was you talked to bo- both of them or gave both of them taught or now, and they both gave their they were both part of this documentary. So, and it showed them when they were friends before when they were harsh foundation and the rockers and they show at the end it showed them where they are now. And they, uh, they show them reconciling on Monday night raw and they showed them, you know, backstage before and they showed them their most recent time they were together was this past WrestleMania and seeing them, you know, walk up towards each other and give each other a, a hug and talk. So that was the most fascinating. The thing that, and we know the story, so I'm not going to rehash it. The only thing that that grinded my gears was, again, Bruce, Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> um, Bruce, shut the fuck up! And it, and it really, Dan, it, it shows you how, um, how do I put this? Uh, how stupid it it was not well not sean was a prick so it, it that wasn't a stupid part how um vince had a month to get the belt off of brett and you know if he's all for having brett take the you know talk to wcw in the first place and sign a deal but the thing is the brett the contract that vince mcmahon okayed gave Brett creative control over who he would drop the belt to.
0: You're saying this is a Vince problem? Yes. Hmm.
1: But, Interesting. What, never but thought that. what got me was when uh, it came time, they were coming down to Survivor Series and Brett hadn't dropped the belt. And by then everyone knew he had already signed with WCW and they were saying, um, yeah, but the thing is, Brett had dropped the belt. And Bruce Richard was saying, well, see, and it it wasn't up to Brett though. And I'm screaming at TV, yes, it was, you dumb fuck, because that was in his contract that Vince McMahon okay, that it was up to him. He could drop it to any if he didn't like the person he would drop it to, he he had he had creative control. And they they mentioned that again this past Sunday when Goldberg lost the belt to Kevin Nash. And broke the streak. And they talked to Eric Bischoff and said, Eric, why Kevin Nash? Because Kevin wanted to. He said, but it couldn't have been anyone else? And Eric Bischoff just goes creative control. That's what Nash had in the contract when he signed with WCW. Goldberg didn't. I don't think Nash would dispute that story, though. That he didn't want to end the streak? I, I don't know. I, I I've always heard that he wasn't like... It wasn't his idea. It wasn't his idea, but obviously he won. Well, I guess it. he
0: he wouldn't have. Uh,
1: yeah. Now, the he, very next day, he, and he said he didn't book it. That's the thing. He wasn't a booker then because the very next, if you remember, the very next Monday was the, the finger poke of Doom. Yeah. Yeah. He said, that, I remember
0: him saying, like, how great do I look that I win the world title one week and the very next week I'm jobbing to Hulk Hogan with a finger poke? Yeah. yeah. Well, woohoo. Help me out.
1: <laughs> well it, brett's contract had creative control but it was vince's zeal to put the belt on sean for whatever reason why you want to de- give it back to the pill addicted prick i have no it's, idea it's, it's, what Vince is an asshole yeah yeah i mean and brett is. i didn't say that
0: the, too loud did i
1: no but I mean, Brett had went on record saying, and because he's talking about this ad nauseum, because I would have dropped it to the Undertaker, I would have dropped it to Austin, I would have dropped it to the Brooklyn Brawler. I just <laughs> didn't want to do it to Sean. Right. and I didn't want to do it in Montreal. That's all I. That's all I wanted.
0: Well, you know, I, I, listen, I do side with Brett like a, a, a little more on this whole thing, uh-huh. but oh well yeah god damn it it's it's literally the most childish games i've ever seen from adults and we're still talking about it
1: 30 fucking
0: years later
1: but i i will say the the rivals uh show uh Was better than the undertaker show and i know you've heard the story over and over again they had a roundtable discussion though which i thought was useless but i don't know why they had it um narrated moderated by this is during the rival show they would show you know we go through the it was narrated by freddie prince jr and then they were opening
0: his own wrestling company obviously
1: yeah but then they would cut to the roundtable discussion during the during the documentary and I was like, and the people they had around the roundtable were Tamina Snuka, Kofi Kingston, Freddie Prince Jr., and Kevin Nash. And I'm sorry, it was Tamina Snuka, Kofi Kingston, JBL, and Kevin Nash. Nash, you get because he was right there during the click and he sure yeah i yeah. close but and jbl just started in uh wwe then he's part one half of the blackjacks but what the hell do Kofi kingston and Tamita snooker have to add to the conversation other than just being fans i uh, they needed two chairs filled and that's who they asked and is and to do it now, you would it would make sense to talk about it after the show. But this is during the actual documentary. They would cut to these guys in a very dark room, talking about Brett and Sean. You you really have to see it, honestly.
0: Uh, I'll take a look. I'll, I'll
1: I'll live tweet it. Yeah, and and <laughs> I'll fans of you. H- yeah, please do. And fans of, yeah, and fans of HIC Talk Radio listening, viewing. If if you've already seen it, please let me know what you think. Uh, this not just last week's under, with uh the, the Undertaker and Bretton Sean, but this week's with uh, Goldberg, and the rivals were Kane and Undertaker.
0: I, I don't care about that, it was cool no. for the time, but I, I don't care at all.
1: And to hear people uh, talk about Kane and Undertaker like it was Andre Hogan, it's like oh my god, you see, you two big men, blah, 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 blah. yeah, I don't care. I don't care I can't think of a more boring feud Than two tall guys Hitting each other You know what I can't think of that's
0: more boring What? Ric Flair's last match
1: Well Dan they set it up so well Um, I don't know if you saw The video that was released today Of um, Of Ric Flair being attacked By Jay Lethal And then Joined and Jay Lethal was stopped from attacking Rick Blair by Jeff Jarrett of all people and how Rick wouldn't he work in the WWE yeah well when interesting Jeff Jarrett pushed Jay Lethal off and said leave him alone he's 70 something years old and he's trying to help Rick up and Rick said I don't need your help I don't need anything from you and Jeff's like I'm trying to help Let me tell you something, Jared, okay? I never liked you. I never liked your family. I like your father. And I like you. So I don't need anything from you. And Jeff goes, oh, really? Pap! Take that! And then next thing you know, Jeff, Jared is punching him. And Jay Lisa comes back and Fifi Ric Flair's wife, trying to interject.
0: Well, not anymore.
1: Yes. She held Ric Flair's arms. Well, David Crockett, yes, that David Crockett watched along helplessly. Well, what was Dave Crockett gonna do? Uh, yell at the top of his lungs like he did uh, every single oh NWA. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, fans, we gotta go. See you next week. Yeah, after teasing the same match all all day, and then it comes. I mean, it happens, and then we out, uh, we gotta go. Um, I but, got
0: I got news for you before yes, you yes, say anything. Yes, sir. I don't give a flying knee drop fuck about this fucking match and him wrestling again. And I all do respect everyone. I don't give a shit if I ever see Ric Flair on TV or in the ring, anything ever again. Don't care. And especially after all that came out, and it's like, well, you know, he kind of sexually assaulted that poor girl. That kind <laughs> of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, no, I was being, I
1: was, yeah, being, yeah. It was, I, it was being I, ironic,
0: yeah. sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't give a, sh- I don't care. I don't care. He had his last, I don't understand how you could build a goodbye so well for, for uh, someone who had such a career that he did. Yeah. And I, it, you know, we crap on things that we that needs to be crapped on in our opinions, and we praise things that, yeah, we feel needs uh-huh. to be praised. And that ending between him and Shawn Michaels was perfect, and it was bad enough that he wrestled again in uh, TNA. Mm-hmm. And now we're here after he almost died, yeah. like almost, almost died. And mm-hmm. some people would say, Well, you're close to death, sure. <laughs> I'm not Ric Flair. Um, I, I. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it.
1: No, I, that's all you have to say. Those three words. I don't get it either. And I was talking about this video about Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett attacking Ric Flair because and fuck Jay Lethal too. Because uh, they left Rick laying in a pool of blood, and as Rick was being beaten, he said, "That's hard way. That's hard way." And yeah, they busted up. So the 70-something-year-old Ric Flair was laid to ways, busted up again, maybe for the last time, to promote his last match against Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, tag team, and his son-in-law, um, Andrade. So Ric Flair, um, I call him the Michael Jordan of wrestling because, like Michael Jordan, you had the perfect goodbye Game 6 of the NBA championship You get the game winning basket You go out like that And you end your career sitting on the bench As a Washington Wizard That yes. game right here in Philadelphia But yes Game right here in Philadelphia <laughs> But yeah, but Ric Flair is a Michael Jordan of wrestling Because he forever tainted His legacy And uh, With Jordan, we don't know why he came back. Um, Outside of the competitive juices thing, Flair came back because he needed the money. And that's the... So that's where whatever sympathy I ever had for Ric Flair went out the window there. And after hearing about the flight, of course, Ric Flair rightfully has been canceled um, from ever appearing in the WWE again. And... um, For those of you who like that sort of thing, those are the kind of things those people like. So I know someone is going to pay to see Ric Flair's last match, but it's not going to be either one of us on this episode. Because I I don't
0: give a shit. (laughs) I'm over Ric Flair. Sorry. Don't be sorry. No, because I can hear voices in my head. Like Randy? Showing him, Show him respect. Fuck him. Fuck Hulk Hogan. Fuck them all. Fuck them. Fuck
1: them. No, we've given Ric Flair all the the. Respect. I have blown Ric Flair
0: in my life vir- virtually more than any. I've blown that man. I've gone out of my way to blow Hulk Hogan virtually so many times just to get blocked by him. <laughs> You know, defending his right to his privacy and how fucked that whole sex tape thing was, and he's like, oh, blocked." i like, "Well, fuck you." I mean, you said the n-word eighty times anyway. You fucking piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I I don't owe them a damn thing. They've got my money. They've had they've had my fandom. Rick, go home. Vince, go home. Go home. Rick, go, go home. home. I can't believe Eric Lindros going my phone. Oh. 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 ah i don't even know where the match is going to be shown i don't care um let's talk about the past
1: yes because the president is very um we had that one good week craig yeah we did (laughs) that's it there's no follow-up we have one good week craig one good week and it's And it's all gone. Uh, let's go back to the past, folks. Um, back when the names of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair actually meant something in professional wrestling, um, back when they were the rulers of their v- respective brands, back when there was more than two major wrestling federations in there the world. No, there anything. was three, there were three, yeah, <laughs> that encompassed the entire United States, these United States and Canada, and uh. Made wrestling worthwhile watching in stadiums, in uh, coliseums, and arenas, and high school gymnasiums in all 50 states. Um, before there was sports entertainment, back when you can call titles belts and uh, medical facilities hospitals. And a non title match is not called a championship contenders match. Sure sure. This is the Wrestling Historian We're going to go back this week in wrestling history um, For a a couple of uh, Milestones or a a couple of um, Things What if things just went A little bit differently Um, Back in July 17th uh, 1994 um, The first Bash at the beach WCW Bash at the beach. And this would be, even though they'd wrestled each other three years earlier in the WWF, this would be. Hold the, on.
0: Let's just blow the guys that we just said we were tired beach, of we talking about. Talk about. Here we go, baby.
1: <laughs> but it was um, 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 um. the first pay per view meeting ever of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Listen, this is where
0: we talk about, like, we retired. This match was, this match, the build up was Freaking phenomenal. Yeah. And it was the first thing in WCW that was good for a long time. Now, that match was great, and and there three rematch, three four, initial rematches, three.
1: Yeah, two. Yeah. Uh-huh. I can't remember
0: now. Um, you also have that tag team match at ba- uh, Great American Bash mix. Then with there with uh, Re- Angelo Paffo in the mix. Yeah, uh, and the Renegade, unfortunately, but the, yeah. Know,
1: his and fault. the best match on the card, though. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, good. I know where you're going with that
0: and I'm going to hold my tongue cuz uh, yes, we're going to talk about that. Um <laughs> but like they were great. They're great. And unfortunately, like I said, uh, look at Slant, uh, look at Starcade 1993's main event and then look at Starcade 1994's main event and you tell
1: me how wrestling is better for it in that compare and contrast. But the best card on the night was Craig the United States Champions stunning steve austin defeated ricky the dragon steamboat it's so good damn good match
0: it's it's, so it's kind good. of like that wrestlemania thing where everybody talks about andre and hogan but yeah. the 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 purists are like yeah but steamboat and macho
1: yeah and once again austin the com- steamboat yeah once again the common denominator ricky steamboat guy can and this is seven years after wrestlemania three um Guy still can't have a bad match with anyone And with a young uh, Just coming to his own Stunning, blonde haired Steve Austin uh, Those guys made magic And Steve Austin still to this day calls Ricky Steamboat uh, His favorite opponent Because he learned so much from him And uh, if you watch Steve Austin That's your homework folks We try to give you a homework assignment Every week here on HIAC Watch the first Go back on the on the cock If you can find it on the WCW, back course, up on the cock, bash at the beach, and just go find the, the uh Steve Austin Ricky Steamboat match, and prepare to be amazed. Uh, and even just look at the back. Steve Austin took the best backdrop in all professional wrestling. Yeah, be uh, <laughs> obviously before his injury, after his so injury
0: high. he
1: never did. But just the way he came over, he when he got yeah. on the back, his head was straight up in the air when it on the back, and he just what yeah. a
0: picture it's just that there's a photo op yeah um and i do want to again bring up bobby heenan yeah on commentary always the feature act mm-hmm. on any anim- main event that he was co- uh commentating Bobby the brain heenan and just to insert this real quick uh his mm-hmm. wife has passed away then yeah i saw that cindy um i forgot to mention that and uh married to the very end of uh his life uh mm-hmm. she went to all the conventions with him mm-hmm. did the communicating for him towards the end yeah. i didn't mean to steal your thunder craig it no no you're right you you
1: absolutely right
0: um her his partner t- from the very beginning stuck through to the very end she was there for illness she was there for the whole fame speech she was there for the end and she is uh, she is no longer with us as well cindy cindy heenan, cindy heenan. Yeah. Great woman. Ah, uh, man. One of the things that pro- I didn't really make me cry. Mm-hmm. But uh, just talk about Bobby for a second. I know it's Bash of yeah. the Beach, but just That's talk okay. about Bobby for a second because who the fuck doesn't ever want to talk about Bob? Nobody. Nobody in this show. Exactly. Nobody with a brain. Um, was uh, the extras on the Bobby Heenan DVD. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me emotional. Not like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. But it's so funny in the middle of the interview. Cindy comes home behind the cameraman; you can't see her. But Bobby breaks busts her stones. <laughs> hey, close the door. We're doing an interview, and then immediately goes to my, my beautiful wife, my wife, my, <laughs> my and he says something very nice. I'm like, on class all the time. Bobby Brain Heenan, yeah. Gotta miss that guy. Oh man, I would, and I don't mean this. I don't even mean this a joke because you know he was not talking you know what's funny is we, we can elaborate more on this when his birthday or a big vet comes out because i'll talk about bobby for hours mm-hmm. um he was still funny without being able to talk yeah it's just the way he would articulate to people mm-hmm. and flip them off instead of giving you know and just yeah. hey. um but the i would love to hear his voice talk about wrestling right
1: yeah and, and you know, I know it was fake, but I would, I really would have loved if Bobby had a Twitter account.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. You, and you know what? The final word on Bobby. Uh, if you can find the shoot interview, it was right before they diagnosed him with cancer, and right after he left WCW, it was right after WCW shut down. Long yeah. after he had left. Uh-huh. The, uh huh. The he does not hold back. But anything in WCW. Oh, no. oh it's. One of the funniest things, and also one of the funniest quotes about Sid Vicious I've ever heard. I will not spoil it, but it's just how much of not a bright person that Sid was. I don't tell you that one off air, but we'll save that for on air for another. Anyway, back to the
1: show. (laughs) Back to you, Preston. Back to you, Preston. Uh, uh, July 17th, uh, 19... 86-87 um, uh, is after the uh, the tragic car accident of Magnum T.A., but um, during the Great American Bash, it was a cage match between J.J. Dillon and Ole Anderson. Uh, Tully was hurt. He was on crutches. Uh, so J.J. was taking his place, and supposed to be Dusty and Magnum in a cage against uh, J. and Ole Anderson but who should Dusty's a partner be for that match but Nikita Koloff <laughs> Magnum TA's mortal enemy the screams from the crowd were deafening you can really really tell how 35 years ago there were a lot more women in the crowd than men <laughs> yeah and that,
0: that's that sound, you don't hear that sound at, at no, the wrestling shows no, no more.
1: And nope. even even seeing it on I saw it on television. I wasn't there live when it when it happened. And I said, Oh my god, is that Nikita Kolov with Dusty Rhodes? The, the feared Russian, and him coming in the ring and saving Dusty from the attack on JJ and Ole Anderson. And Dusty leading the crowd in a chance of No nakita, nakita, and the face turn. Uh, which never would have happened uh have not for the tragic uh car accident that ended the uh career of Magnum TA, who was uh set to win the NWA title, probably at that Starcade, that year's Starcade. Um, if not sooner. Um and a lot of people point to that as when the softening of Nikita Koloff and uh how he was booked and but uh because he was such a super super powered heel, the the Russian road warrior he was called. But uh, that face turn was still one of the people still remember it that I'm remembering now, 35 years, like 36 years later, um, as a a big, big moment in professional wrestling history. And um, something that can't be forgotten, uh, Nikita Kolov, the end of his heel career. And then when he tried to turn him heel back, wasn't quite the same, but um, it was a big deal. Uh, July 17th, speaking of big deals, July 17th, 2011. This is one of those things, maybe if they had done it a little different, but because everything was lined up in place, July 17th, 2011, um, WWE money in the bank in Chicago, Illinois. And once again, just like John Cena when he entered the um, the uh, arena in Queens, what the hell was it called, defending the uh, the WWE belt against Rob Van Dam. Oh, um, uh, Elks Lodge. Elks Lodge. No, the ma- the Manhattan Center. Manhattan. Center. I don't know where the fuck the it is. It I, it I don't game. know. Yeah, it, it was the ECW Stronghold, and and John Cena entered the ring holding the belt over his head. He did the same thing before this match in Chicago, uh, because he was facing the hometown favorite, Chicago Made Punk, CM Punk. And uh CM Punk vowing to not only win the title from John Cena that night, but leave the company because his contract was up at midnight that night. And that was a shoot, and because that was real. And uh Vince McMahon actually even came down to ringside during the match and told the referee to ring the bell because once again, the uh Montreal Screwjob must be called back and rehashed, 50. rehashed Fuck over time. and over and over again. Over an even though at this point, it was 14 years since uh, the Montreal Screwjob, and we're still. Uh, but Vince uh, didn't get his way. John Cena did not want to win the belt like that. CM Punk did wind up winning the belt, uh, putting pinning John Cena after the Go to Sleep taking the WWE title, and leaving through the crowd. Um, great victory, a great scene, and something they could have done a little differently afterwards.
0: You mean not um, come back the very next night?
1: Yes, not come back at all for another month.
0: Yeah, take some time off. Uh, I mean, it was still a great moment, but my God, it goes back to the conversation. We're not going to elaborate. That's uh, on now, but it's uh, just freaking wait for things. You imagine if he comes back at like next WrestleMania next year?
1: Yeah, have him do appearances because he was going to let Leno bring the belt and say, "Yeah, I'm still the champion." Um, he was making indie indie appearances with the belt. Keep doing that, and uh, obviously still be paid by the WWE, but don't show up on TV. Show up on everyone else's TV. Do public appearances, the Today Show, all that stuff. With the belt. Yeah. And a whole lot more with that. But uh, still cannot take it away. The uh, CM Punk victory over John Cena uh, was one of the more emotional. Uh, Blowing the kiss, man. Yeah. And again, the crowd, absolutely electric that night in Chicago. Like it always is for for CM Punk. And you know what I can say? You know, when people make a, he's going to be as over as. They make the comparison: Brett in Canada, um, Piper in Portland, he's say Dusty in Florida, Lawler in Tennessee, Von Erickson, in Texas. But I can say right now, CM Punk in Chicago, that same he gets that same kind of reaction even now. But back in 2011, July 17th, it was deafening. Uh Speaking of th- people that could do things a little differently, uh, July eighteenth, nineteen eighty, Vern Gagne, fifty-six years old, seven, uh, defeated Nick Bachwinkle for his tenth and final AWA championship, only to, to <laughs> only to retire three months later. Thank you, and then just give the belt back to nick blackwinkle
0: he just he had he had to get the one really yeah one more
1: mm-hmm. and not even a tournament you know it was at like the stanley blackburn the awa figurehead president said because of his stellar record and because he was the number one contender the awa championship has been awarded back to nick blackwinkle which made Here, take this yeah which made Spock manager Bobby Heenan very happy and at the same time
0: <laughs>
1: very well it's about time that was his, his first words he couldn't even let the uh, presentation go at the end so we like to award this belt the AWA championship back to Mr. Nick well it's about time
0: <laughs> uh, Bobby
1: but yeah another example of the um, of the Varangana iron fist rule uh um, go home burn and uh, god stop pushing your kid yeah 10th and final awa championship for verne ganya uh not to be outdone 13 years later july 18th 1993 rick yeah. flair defeated barry windham for his 10th and final nwa championship that was in 93
0: 93
1: oh yeah Uh, And it's a historic date for championships because also July 18th, 1989 in Syracuse, New York, a demolition lost the WWF Tag Team Championship to the team managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan, Telly Blanchard, and Arn Anderson. And with that victory, Telly Blanchard, and Arn Anderson will become the first team ever to be NWA Tag Team Champions and the WWF Tag Team Champions. They were the first team to hold both of those, not the Road Warriors. It was Tully and Arn were the first NWA Tag Team Champions to later become WWF Tag Team Champions. And it happened July 18th, 1989. and uh, on July 20th, 1973, Houston, Texas, the 10 pounds of gold NWA championship belt that's being held just today uh, was unveiled for the first time in Houston, Texas before uh, the title defense that champion Harley Race was going to have against the contender, number one contender, Jack Briscoe. And uh, Jack Briscoe would defeat Harley Race and would Son win his first world championship So I raised the 10 pounds of gold that he was presented before the bout. He never got to wear Um, (laughs) until four years later when he regained it. But uh, Jack Briscoe would win his first world championship and uh, hold it for two years and would be the standard bearer in the NWA for quite a while and set a legacy, you know, for former NCAA wrestling champions to become world champions. A trend started by Danny Hodge. And we continue with Jack Briscoe, Bob Backlund, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, Dan Severn, uh, the NCAA college wrestling champion, becoming a professional world champion. Um, it's a formula that works if you find the right guy. And the right guy was Jack Briscoe. And his reign is what attracted Vince McMahon Sr. Because he wanted his own Jack Briscoe. Because when he would vacation when they would have a Florida swap with Eddie Graham, and he saw the crowds that Jack Briscoe would would attract and how there were no riots and just loved his wrestling and loved his look. He said, "I want one of those for my federation. <laughs> I want an all-American boy I want one of them yeah I want my own Jack Briscoe, but uh Jack Briscoe was the uh, the uh, the standard bearer for the NWA for a long time. And he won his first. And like I said, people that, you know, were standard bearers, great, they're seen as great, great champions, Jack Briscoe, only held the NWA title once. Same. Yep. And I couldn't let this week go, Dan, without wishing a special, a happy belated birthday uh to another influential wrestler that um still influences uh wrestling wrestlers certain one certain time because but there's only one uh born july seventeenth in Wisbaden Germany happy belated birthday to our beloved Daphne yep I have nothing else to say um
0: I did open up I already had her autograph Fuck Steve Richard's. Um, i did open up her figure nice to prominently have her displayed out with my other very few that i have left but the wrestling figures um yes miss her dearly yeah and a lot of people do um it was still nice to see so So many many
1: tributes today or this week yeah
0: yeah um man the tna figures just be really good yeah (laughs) lots of articulation Mhm. Um Yeah, I, you know, what else can I say?
1: I know. And you know, we celebrated her birthday every year when she was with us.
0: Yeah, do it until I'm dead. Exactly. <laughs> or the show's dead. <laughs> one or the other, whichever one comes first. At this point, who the fuck knows?
1: Yeah.
0: Um There was a lot. It was ice cream day cuz uh yeah, ice cream. And mm-hmm. uh, I did have ice cream. Me too. We're at Daphne. And I did down, uh, download. I did uh, <laughs> donate to a um, national suicide um, charity. It makes me sad.
1: I know. I'm sorry. Happy birthday, Def. Wherever you are. Happy birthday, Deaf. We'll be screaming out for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going <laughs> to touch it. And that. Gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian, and you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter at Craig Ligon C R A I G L I W G E O N S.
0: It is a great shoot interview she does. She did in oh uh, five oh six, uh-huh. but her story is amazing because she originally just got hired for as an actress, like uh, certain other uh, people there mm. who you know slept and blew their way on tv (laughs) uh she was like no i want to be a wrestler and and trained and did it and was a wrestler after that for years and it's good to know yeah it's a great shoot if you can find it's on youtube out there now that i'm sure she had unfortunately passed away it got uploaded i've had it on dvd for years it's a great interview the tattoo the tattoos the tattoos the tattoos she has are insane this figure doesn't do it justice but there are many uh, wrestling related tattoos and and mass wrestlers she Mm -hmm. was shark girl for those who don't know for shark boy yeah uh, when the governor showed up um, uh, a parody of a fuck is her name well she's in
1: alaska governor of alaska who the fuck is her name oh sarah palin
0: sarah palin she did the she was the governor okay tna and then when she showed up it. i was like oh i wonder if it's going to be daphne and sure as shit yeah she returned as daphne and we're not going to talk about the end of that sorry I uh, dwelling on that a little bit that's but okay. uh, you, f- you follow me on twitter and all social media yes. platforms channel <laughs> 83 let's get the hell out of here it's been a long day it's going to be a long week for me uh listen go to uh listen to me go to your phone oh daphne fell uh go to your phone anything with a podcast that type in hic talk radio network subscribe uh follow uh we are streaming on twitch and youtube when we're live um uh that's it i got it that's all i got keep it on the paper get the hell out of here goodbye everyone see you next time